Hey, this is Dr. Drew Rubin from ChiroCast. Today's ChiroCast is brought to you by my three main sponsors. Now you know Preferred Chiropractic Doctor and ChiroRite. All three of them have been instrumental in building the successful practice, especially the pediatric successful practice that I've been able to create over the 30 years that I've been in practice. And here now we're going to join the seminar from with Logan University. Here's the seminar. Cast. And I'm like, on a what? Uh, and that's how this all started. So I'm super glad to be here. And what I want to share with you guys today is I give a couple of um, not very common uh, philosophy books that I want to uh, share with you. Um, several years ago, uh, I met this one chiropractor who graduated from Palmer in like 1960 or so. And he was retiring and I got a whole stack of um, old chiropractic textbooks, including this one here. Um, you may know the author, Stevenson, from the chiropractic textbook. Well, this is another book that he authored called The Art of Chiropractic. Uh, and it's a small book, but it has some really powerful stuff in it. Uh, so I'm going to share that uh, big book with you. And then if we have some time, Fred Barge. I don't know how many of you guys know Fred Barge, uh, but if you're unfamiliar with Fred uh, Barge, he is another amazing uh, chiropractic philosopher. So I highly recommend... Um, uh, listening and talking to uh, reading his books uh, and this is one of my faves called life without fear uh, so we're going to talk about that uh, too but the first one I want to get to is the art of chiropractic by Stevenson and I want to read you a, a, a little something here that I think is so important for today's students uh, and really today's chiropractor because um, this book was written let's see back in 1927 uh, so same year that um, the textbook was published, his, his textbook. Um, so I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs and then we're going to talk about it. Um, the normal position of a vertebra. A vertebra in its normal position, when it is in proper alignment, its articulations in proper apposition with those of the vertebra above or below, so that it does not interfere with the transmission of mental impulses. The educated mind of a surgeon or a chiropractor does not know what this normal position is. Now I want you to catch that. Right. So a lot of us, when we're doing adjusting, we are saying, you know, the bone is here and we want to put it there. And that certainly is a good thing. But listen to what he says. The, the educated mind of a chiropractor does not know where the normal position is. No intellect knows the correct normal position of a vertebra except the innate intelligence. Sorry, I'm in my office. Except the innate intelligence of that body. Therefore, for a chiropractor to push, place, or knock a vertebra into place determined by his educated mind is not chiropractic, but just a crude attempt. So I think that's really kind of interesting, right? Because a lot of us as chiropractors, um, especially when we're new chiropractors, when we're in school like you guys are, or when we're kind of rookie-ish chiropractors, I've been practicing now 30 years, when we're more rookies, um, we think that our job, my job is to move that bone from here to there, and that's going to make everything better. But what Stevenson is saying is that the, the innate intelligence is the only thing that knows where to put it, right? So we might move the bone, right? You've heard the phrase, we move the bone and God does the healing. And that's absolutely true. But what really is going on is we're moving the bone and then innate intelligence is taking over. So as an example, I was in Minneapolis this past weekend uh, talking uh, for ICPA. And one of the bright young students asked me a question, something like, um, you know, 
you're talking about lateral to medial line of drive, but what happens, you know, can't the Atlas, as an example, uh, can't the Atlas, you know, be subluxated in a superior inferior position or an anterior posterior position? And I said, absolutely, but here's the key. What we have to understand is when we are adjusting a subluxation, right, we're going to put that force in there. And the key is to put the right force in the most important direction, and then the body will take care of itself, right? So as an example, with, the, with a, an atlas, if you're adjusting an atlas, you know, whether you, let's say you're doing cervical chair and you're adjusting an atlas, like, like kind of like this, if you're adjusting this atlas kind of like this as you're doing cervical chair, like this, the most important direction that an atlas subluxates is what? Lateral, right? So if you get the lateral to medial component like that in the adjustment, then the superior and inferior and the anterior and, uh, I mean, the superior inferior and the anterior posterior uh, stuff, that'll take care of itself is what Stevenson is saying. So I think that is super important because sometimes we get now, obviously, in a technique class, show everything, right? But in the real world, when you're dealing with like a little baby, right, you're dealing with a little itty bitty baby, you're trying to adjust his or her atlas, just get that lateral to medial component. That's the most important thing because babies are squiggling and moving and stuff. We just want to get that lateral to medial component and let innate intelligence take care of the rest, right? And I think that's a super important thing to understand. Like we might be the chiropractor, we might be the chiropractic student, but who is really doing the healing? It's not you, right? So don't take the credit and don't take the blame, as Dr. Sid used to always say, right? So if someone gets better, don't be like, yeah, it's me, man. I'm so good and pat yourself on the back because it's not you. It was the body. But on the same token, if someone doesn't get better, don't blame yourself, right? Because the innate intelligence is doing the work and whatever work it does, at least you gave it a fighting shot, right? So I think that's a super important thing to understand. Next thing to talk about from Stevenson's book, subluxations. <clears throat> A subluxation is the condition of a vertebra that has lost its proper juxtaposition with the one above or the one below or both to an extent less than a luxation, which impinges nerves and interferes with the transmission of mental impulses. All the factors of this definition must be given to make it complete and to make it chiropractic, for unless it is the cause of dis-ease, it is not a subluxation, right? And not the cause of disease, cause of dis-ease. So what Stevenson is saying here is that a lot of times we end up adjusting what um, BJ would call compensations, right? Because a bone might be out of place, right, compared to the one above and one below, but is it affecting a nerve, right? And one of the key things that I talk about in my seminars and in my classes at Life, because uh, I teach a, a, a pediatric technique class, one of the key things I talk about is when we are making the adjustment, the most important thing is we do before we adjust is we always check, adjust, and then recheck. And our check is always going to be a neurological check. So as an example, if I'm adjusting a little baby, and I have this little baby on my chiropractic bench, and I see he's got a short leg, I'm going to tap his atlas first and see if that balances the short leg. Because I want to make sure that neuro there's a neurological change. Because what happens if I tap his atlas right? And nothing changed. Is that where the subluxation is? Not necessarily. So don't just assume just because you see a short leg, that's where I should adjust. Don't just assume because you feel a vertebra that's out of position. That's the place. Because what a lot of people end up doing, as Dr. Sid used to say, is play the piano, right? You just adjust, 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 adjust. And people get like a hundred adjustments, you know, when they come to see someone and the body doesn't know what to do with it. You know, BJ talked about something called the majors, 
So when we're adjusting the majors, we're putting our emphasis on the major subluxations and are we correcting the major subluxation, which not is just a bone or a subluxation that has a bone or bones out of alignment, but it's affecting the nerve. And here's another super important thing that I think is absolutely critical. And that's this, we've got to stop the conversation that says we fix pinched nerves, right? Or a bone is pinching on a nerve. Bones generally don't pinch nerves except like in severe degeneration, right? So what it is, is the, the nerve is being interfered with. That's why I like, and even in 1927, that Stevenson is saying that, right here it says, interferes the transmission of the mental impulse, right? That's the key thing to bring out to our patients. Um, how many of you guys are in like student clinic or outpatient? Okay, good. So when you're having your conversations with your patients, whether they're another student or it's a, a, an outside person, understand that the, the old days where they used to talk about a bone on a nerve, that's antiquated stuff, right? Because it's not about that. What we're talking about is chiropractors are nerve system doctors. So when we are adjusting someone, the spine is merely the conduit to allow us in to the nerve system. And we, it's super important to understand that because if we don't get that the spine is the conduit, the spine is the gateway, as Donnie Epstein would call it, the spine is the entry point into, the nerve, into their nerve system, then all we're doing is pushing on bones. And you know what, guys? Someday a robot can do that, right? There are robots doing surgeries. There are robots doing blood draws. Someday a robot's going to take over if all it is is pushing on a bone, right? Then the robot's going, you know, remember like in Star Trek, you know, they've got the, the like this, and then it'll look at this, oh, you know, he's got a subluxation right here, and then, you know, and that's not an adjustment, right? BJ called an adjustment with an extra something, and the extra something is two things, I think, is extra some things. The first something is we got to make sure that the subluxation has nerve interference, right, before we adjust it, which is why it's so important to have a, a real analysis, not just palpating the spine and feeling something that isn't in line, lined up. And number two is the adjustment with the extra something is when there's something inside you, right? You have an authority, right? So when you have an authority, it is a very different adjustment. When you feel certain, have that certainty, it's a very different adjustment. You know, the, there's an old saying, the person who's the most certain rules the room, right? So when, when you have more certainty and you say, I know that's a subluxation, not I think it is, it might be, it could be, maybe, right? It's like, this is subluxation, here's how I know. I checked the leg length, the leg length showed it was a short leg, I challenged the atlas or challenged the sacrum or challenged the PILM or whatever you did, the leg's balanced, now that the body told me there's a subluxation here, right? So I think that's very important and whether you use instrumentation or not, is, instrumentation is great, but you don't necessarily have to have instrumentation. What you have to know is know how to use a short leg analysis, whether it's Activator or Gonstead or Thompson, how to use the short leg analysis and how to challenge to make sure that what you're adjusting is really something that needs to be adjusted and not just the compensation. And then the last bit here <clears throat> is, and this is amazing. I just love this quote here. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, innate intelligence is the adjuster. Innate intelligence is the adjuster. <clears throat> Innate intelligence always strives to replace a misplaced vertebra. If it is a subluxated vertebra, it is so because innate's replacing forces are cut off from the region of the misplaced vertebra. This subluxation, which is interfering with the transmission of mental impulses to some organ, 
<clears throat> remains in that position because it's also interfering with the transmission of impulses to a supporting tissue. Sometimes this is to such an extent as to make the vertebra or the tissues holding it <clears throat> pathological. Innate can replace a vertebra if the adjuster produces, and listen to this word, that, he, that this is what they used back in 27. <clears throat> if the adjuster produces a concussion in those tissues. Now the word concussion is not the word concussion that they're talking about in the movies and that all the kids have now and the football players are having <clears throat> trauma with. And we're not talking about that concussion. What do, we, what do we mean by concussion in this sense? Right? What, what's a concussion of forces? Right, so, so, yeah, two forces coming together. So <clears throat> this concussion is called the recoil, right? So when you're doing the adjustment, right, the adjustment is the, the toggle recoil, right? The, the pushing the spinal bones back in alignment with your hands or with an instrument. The, <clears throat> the adjustment are brought about by concussions. Some concussions are accidental, some are scientific. Dr. Palmer prefers the latter. Concussions may be the result of mechanical forces or intangible physical forces, chemical forces, or mental shocks. Both subluxations and adjustments are produced by concussions. Unbalanced resistance subluxates, balanced resistance adjusts. Did you catch that? Unbalanced resistance subluxates, balanced resistance adjusts. What does that mean? What that means is, like, you know, people ask me, oh, I'm going to walk out of here and as soon as I get into the car, I'm going to be subluxated again. Probably not. Because just because you're walking from here to the car and driving home, you shouldn't have that kind of force to subluxate you again, right? A subluxating force has got to be either a significant mechanical force, chemical force, or emotional force. So, and by a mechanical force, it could be one of two things. It could be a very slow force over time. In other words, like someone who's sitting on their phone like this all the time, right? That is a slow mechanical force, right? Repetitive trauma over and over, or someone uh, works in a, you know, in a factory and they do this over and over and over again, right? That's a, it's not a heavy duty thing, but it's a slow repetitive trauma. Or it could be a significant trauma that is a car accident or a fall or something where it's a very fast, you know, large trauma versus a slow trauma. So he continues and he says, a spontaneous adjustment is one accomplished by innate without the intervention of outside forces. So is it possible for someone to get an adjustment to a subluxation and not actually get it from a chiropractor or another person? Right? Is that possible? Right? So here's an example. Happened several years ago. One of my patients was coming in and she was having all kinds of neck problems. And I was adjusting and it was getting somewhat better, somewhat better. After a few weeks, it was a, a bit improved, but not that much. All of a sudden, she took a horrible tumble down like a small flight of stairs. And as she went down the small flight of stairs, she heard a pop in her neck and a pop in her back. And when she got back up, guess what happened? The neck pain was better. Now, she had a bit of back pain, right? But the neck pain was better, right? So she came in a couple of days later. And she said, you're never going to believe this. And, I, and she told me about this. And I said, see, that's one way to do an adjustment, but not the recommended way. Right? I don't recommend falling down the stairs or any sort of injury like that to produce. A, but sometimes it does happen, right? And I've even heard of, uh, and B.J. Palmer has in, in uh, Green Books, uh, of people falling down stairs and they've been blind and then they all of a sudden can see. But I've also heard the opposite, where they fall down a flight of stairs and they can't see and now they can't, right? 
So we can't trust these sort of things, these, these accidental or spontaneous forces. <clears throat> um, accidental adjustments are brought about by accidental uh, chiropractors, which happen to be just right. The adjuster should try to produce adjustments scientifically so they will not just happen, so he can bring about that phenomena of an of a adjustment at will. So what Stevenson is talking about is you need to become a master, right? While you're here at Logan, guys and gals, you guys need to become masters at adjusting. But you also need to become masters in science and masters in philosophy, right? Because chiropractic is that triune, right? Science, art, and philosophy. It's not just one or two. It's all three. A, a triangle will look very funny with only two pieces, right? It's got to have three sides. So, but it's absolutely critical. I see a lot of people in a lot of schools that I travel around to where they focus way, 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 way too much on science. Not that it's bad or wrong. You know, it's good to be, a, I'm a scientist just as, as any of them. But if you focus on the science, but you don't touch someone much, you don't practice that, how are you going to develop your art? And on the other hand, I see people who are super philosophical. They've read every green books. They've read this thing, even though it's very rare. They've read everything. And they can spout out BJ like never you mind and give you page numbers and stuff. But they can't adjust for a hill of beans, right? Right? That's not good either. So none of those scenarios are good. We need to, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't be all three. They should only focus on science or only focus on art or only focus on philosophy. You got, you got to focus on all three. You got to balance that out. There are times like you're about to take, you know, national boards or about to take a test. All right, you better focus on whatever's on the test. But on your downtimes, that's when you be, you guys, I don't know if you guys have adjusting clubs in school, but you should be going, do you guys have adjusting clubs? Good. So you should be going to adjusting clubs. Everybody should be going to adjusting clubs. Pick one every quarter that you absolutely want to learn about and dive into it, right? Get yourself really, really good at some kind of adjustment. Make sure when you graduate, you're at least a master of one technique. Not okay, right? Hands shouldn't be shaking when you're adjusting someone by the time you're in your upper tries, right? You should be confident. And it, here's the big thing. <clears throat> One of the huge things that Dr. Sid taught us years ago about developing confidence is about practicing adjusting every day. And you say, well, but I don't have people I'm adjusting every day. You don't have to have people. Do you all have a bed in your bedroom, right? Then what you should do is you should stand up every day on that bed Put yourself in this position like this and a hundred thrusts like this every day from this side and a hundred thrusts like this every day from this side. And you, you want to practice cervical adjusting. Some, a lot of people have problems with cervical adjusting. They're a little timid about it. You know what the hardest thing about an adjustment is? It's not the setup. Right? The setup, whatever the posiology is that you have to do to, to do that, a side posture setup, it's not the setup. You know what the hardest thing? It's knowing the thrust. It's knowing the thrust. So what I recommend is develop that, make that thrust innate. Right now, when you guys are thrusting, if the only time you thrust is when you're actually adjusting someone, not enough. You want to make that thrust innate. Make that thrust embedded in your system. Make that thrust that if I call you up at four in the morning and I put you on this Zoom thing to, to, and I say, thrust on the bed, then you know exactly what to do. Bam, right? Same with cervicals. Bam, right? You got to know this. Bam, bam. You got to be able to get that, right? And not everybody will get the same thrust, but you got to develop a thrust first. You understand what I'm saying? Right? Where a little kid might get a little thrust and a big, huge wrestler might get a bigger thrust, but you got to develop a thrust first. If you don't even know what that is, except when you got your hands on someone, you're behind the eight ball. Right? A master knows the thrust. 
So I suggest every day, if you get to 100, do 50, do 10, I don't care, do something. But every day, 10 like this and 10 like this, as if you're adjusting a thoracic. And then, you know, some amount, you know, 50 like this, doing a cervical on one side with your right hand, 50 like this, doing a cervical with this hand. And then stand up and do side posture and side posture 50 times here on a pillow, put a pillow on your bed and then stand this way and put a pillow on your bed over here and do 50 of those, 50 of your body drops so that the thrust becomes like this. So when you're on someone, you don't have to think about that, right? And that's what he's talking about. That's what Stevenson is getting on about is make that particular thrust. What do you say here? So beautiful. The adjuster should try to produce adjustments scientifically so they'll not just happen. So he can bring about that phenomena at will, right? And the way you bring that a phenomena at will is you become so good at that thrust, right? So what should you be doing in spare time? Forget about Facebook, right? Right? Yeah, I know you spend a lot of time on Facebook and I'm not going to tell you to zero it out, right? What I'm asking you to do is spend five minutes a day changing what you do physically and pr start practicing physically that adjustment. And then spend another five or ten minutes a day reading green books, right? I sent you guys some green books last quarter or trimester. Read the green books. You will not get a whole lot of chiropractic information out of Yoko Monroe and Sousa and all the other textbooks that are awesome, but they're not really chiropractic, right? So highly recommend you do that if you really want to graduate as a master because then when you go to associate or you go to open up your own office, you're going to have that confidence, right? I want every in this room that I see here, you all should be going out and wherever it is you're ending up, have super amount of confidence to practice wherever you want and do whatever you want because you guys have mastered the science, art, and philosophy. Make sense? Great. Any questions about Stevenson's Art of Chiropractic textbook? You got any questions? Please ask. Do not be shy. Come on, I have questions myself. <laughs> All right, well, let me ask you this then, if you guys want to be shy. I have some other things I want to talk about, but before I do that, is there anything you want to talk about? Like any topic you'd like to talk about? So instead of just me blabbing, you know, I can blab for hours, um, but, uh, you know, I do a 12-hour seminar, you know, on the weekends when I do for ICPA, so I can talk, man. But uh, I would love to know if you guys have questions that you want answered about practice, about finances, about associateships, about these kind of things. Is, does anybody have any particular questions that they'd like to ask someone, you know, about pediatrics, whatever? Yes, in the back. All right, that's, that's a great question. What's your name? Janelle. Janelle? Janelle, thank you so much for asking the first question. You're brave. Um, so, so Janelle asked the question, uh, how do we like differentiate our adjustment, especially early on when you guys are where you guys are at, between a kid and an adult? And one of the things that Webster, Larry Webster was my teacher, the founder of the ICPA. Um, and one of the things that was his pet peeve was when someone would say, adjusting a kid is like adjusting a little adult. He said, it is not. 
It is not. It is just as different as Gonstead is from Thompson, right? They're, they're, that you have a Gonstead adjustment, you have a Thompson adjustment, you don't just dumb it down for a little baby, you know, or a kid, right? It's a completely different animal because their lines of drive are different, the forces are different, their joints of lushka are different, you know, the disc plane lines, everything is different. So it's just not, especially when you're talking about a, a little munchkin, like the smallest ones. Um, so what Webster said to us is to understand that we need to study pediatric chiropractic the same way we study other techniques. So it's not a matter of taking my cervical chair, right, and instead of doing this for my cervical chair, just going like this for the cervical chair, although you could do that, right? But what it is, is, is there a way that I can adjust that little baby's neck that is even more specific for that baby, right? And that's what Webster was all about. So that's why he developed stuff like sustained contact, right? He took the Logan adjustment that your you know, predecessors were very famous for, and the Logan adjustment, the way you know, we were originally taught was a long adjustment, right? And he took it for babies and made it a much shorter adjustment on the sacrum because he knows a baby's not going to be able to sit for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a, at a pop. So that was super important to understand that, he, and that, that was his brilliance, I think, that he took this field of chiropractic where at the time people were adjusting kids just like they were adults but smaller, and he made it different. Right, and that's what I think is so important is to understand how their neurology is different. Right, their biomechanics are different. Their osteology is different. Everything is different about a kid. So we have to treat, especially the youngest population, the six and under population, as a very different thing. That's why stuff like ICPA is so awesome, um, because it kind of gives you that framework. That's why taking other classes or other people that come through, you know, Logan or near, you know or flying out to other you know, classes. There's some really great stuff out there about adjusting kids. Not just about marketing. I think marketing is super important too to become the best marketer you can be to, you know, for a pediatric population because that's also a different niche you know, thing. But I think what's super important is to understand the difference between um, an adult spine and a kid's spine is not just the size. Does that make sense, Janelle? Yeah, thank you. You're welcome, my pleasure. All right, she was brave, who's next? Yes, sir. Sure. 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 It was is that? I can't see who is that back there. Uh, Adam. It has Adam. I thought so. I thought I recognized you. It's kind of fuzzy, but after the second row, it gets a little fuzzy. Um, so uh, the four A's. So there's a great book. I don't have it here, um, but there's a great book uh, by Dr. Ken Bach. Um, who is a pediatrician, and it's called Healing the New Childhood Epidemics. Healing the New Childhood Epidemics, the four A's. And the four A's are, well, before I just give them off to you, what are the four A's, you think, for kids? ADHD, autism, asthma, allergies. Those are the four A's. I think there's more than four. But I'll give Ken Bach the four, right? Um, I think there's other things, right? Um, but there's a good start. So, um, and what he talks about is, and here's an amazing, astounding fact. Guess the percentage, what percent of children in the United States have at least one of the four A's? Thirty-five. 
33%. One third of all American children have at least one of the four A's. Is that not a crime? Right? And usually they have more than one. You know, we just got a new patient uh, I uh, was corresponding with this morning, and her son has autism and ADHD. And a lot of times allergies and asthma come together. And a lot of times kids with autism also have asthma and allergies. So there's like this whole, these things, that's just, that's I think an underreported number. You know, one third, I bet you it's more. Um, but here's the, the, the reason why that's so important is like how many of you, and don't raise your hands because I don't really want to know, but how many of you have been told you can't build a pediatric practice after you graduate, that that's not the way to do it, right? Yeah, I, I see shaking heads. I get it. I know it. I've heard it even you know, all, all over the place that I speak at. Every campus has the same kind of thing. You can't build a pediatric practice. It's got to be insurance, mostly PI, blah, blah. There's nothing wrong with insurance. There's nothing wrong with PI. However, do you know how many kids one-third of all American kids is? That's 30 million. Right? So if you can't build a practice on 30 million kids, I don't know what you should do. Right? I can't figure that out at all. Right? Uh, so, and, and like our office is usually super busy and patients are always coming in saying, gosh, you're so busy, Dr. Rubin. And you know what I tell everybody? Everybody's got a spine and a nerve system. Right? Who does that leave out? Right? So how many billions of people are there on the planet right now? You know? three billion people, unbelievable amounts of people that aren't getting adjusted, right? Like it wide open you want to go to play. Like, I just had a patient um, from a, an Arabian country and there are no chiropractors in any of the Arabian, major Arabian countries. Or if there are, they're very, very few and far between. Massive wide open opportunity, right? China, you know, Life University just got ourselves into China. I think there's like 30 chiropractors for a billion people. You know, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> Once they get what chiropractic is, that's not going to cut it, right? You can't take care of a billion people with 30 chiropractors. Um, and here's the sad thing. One of my uh, colleagues that I graduated with, um, he, uh, he's a chiropractor and a medical doctor, and he um, is part of the World Health Organization. And um, the World Health Organization had a meeting a few years ago and said, and this is just about back pain. He said, they were talking about, okay, we want to have like a, an organization be the go-to people for back pain. Who are we going to choose? So who's the, who's the toss-up between? Who's, who's the, the, the two top candidates for back pain in the World Health Organization's mind? It wasn't osteopaths. Yeah, PTs and chiropractors. But guess who is going to win in that situation? PTs. Why? Because there's way more of them across the world, right? So in the in the Arabian countries, there are PTs, but there are no chiropractors. So the World Health Organization was discussing, we would love to give it to chiropractors as the world's you know, uh, responsibility, but we can't. Do you see the fallacy we put ourselves up against? We can't even do back pain. 
because there's not enough of us, right? So that's why to me it's so important. I mean, hey, I take care of a lot of people with back pain and I'm totally fine with it. But you know, why do I take care of adults with back pain? So I can get to their kids. That's right. That was Callie, right? Yep. Thank you, Callie. <laughs> yeah. So I can get to their kids. That's what I, the only, I, I would prefer not to adjust any adults because kids are so much more fun than adults. But I know I will adjust adults, especially if they're pregnant. If they're pregnant, that's okay. That's two for one. Um, but I like adjusting adults because I know I'm going to get their kids. And here's the key thing. When you are, become an authority in whatever area you happen to go to, wherever you land, whether it's in St. Louis or you're going to Michigan or California or New Zealand or wherever you go, wherever you happen to be, you need to become an authority in that particular area, right? The go-to person. And whether it's chiropractic, uh, pediatrics or sports or geriatrics or whatever, it doesn't matter. You become the authority in that area. And then what happens is they start coming to you first. So in my practice, more than 50% of the new patients are kids. And then I get their parents, right? And I like that because that means that people are getting it. That means people want what we got, right? So a lot of people out there say, oh, you can't build a pediatric practice. It's not possible. None of people understand it. They don't need to understand it. You know why? Because they're sick of the traditional system and they want something different and we got something different. And you know why chiropractic is so cool? Because what we do, we introduce a novel experience into their spine. And you know what that is, uh, like where I'm referencing when I talk about that? Neuroplasticity, right? How do you make a neuroplastic change? Is you introduce a novel experience, right? That's how a lot of these different things work. And that's why chiropractic is so important because we are directly working on the spine and nerve system. So like I said very early on in the beginning, we're not a, a, a back doctor or spine doctor. We're a nerve system doctor because we're creating neuroplastic experiences every time we adjust someone. And the younger the spine, the better the chances of that neuroplastic change taking place. Right? So it is not about should we adjust kids, right? That's not the question. The question is how many of them can you get your hands on? We must adjust children, right? If we don't adjust kids, who the hell is going to, right? Nothing wrong with physical therapy or a lot of these other things. They're all great. You know, if someone's in an accident or, or had a stroke and they need rehabilitation, physical therapy is awesome. I love physical therapy, but it doesn't do what chiropractic does. So even if they say, I adjust the spine just like you guys do, no, you don't. Because what I do, my end goal, my end game is different, right? My end game is affecting the nerve system. Their end game is affecting the muscles. Two different end games, right? That's why what we do is so important. So, and talking about that, here's that great book I told you about, Life Without Fear, Fred Barge. So to piggyback on that, right, let me find that one section here. Ah. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> Got it. Okay. Uh, so this is Fred Barge. 
The efficiency and ef efficacy of the chiropractic adjustment in promoting health, restoring health, and maintaining health is just now, today, being recognized. We have only to refocus on this basic cause of dis-ease to capture or recapture our place as a separate, distinct, non-duplicating alternative to medical care. We are a profession with a narrow scope of practice, but with a broad body of implications. You get that? Narrow scope. When someone says, oh, you just work on the spine, huh? Like you're limited to spine. No, that's like the whole, that's like the whole world, right? Right, so I may just have this narrow place that I happen to be called what I'm adjusting, but, that's, but that affects everything, right? So what we do as nerve system doctors is affect everything. But if you're a bone doctor, a back doctor, then you're complaining about how, oh, it's, what a bummer, I can only adjust the spine, right? That's why so many people, not that it's bad or wrong, but so many people want to change our profession, right, into something else because they feel like we're incomplete, right? They feel like, well, we, I wish we could do everything. But that's just like a dentist. Do you want a dentist doing something other than teeth? Right? And there are some dentists out there who feel the same way we do about chiropractic. You go to like a biological or holistic dentist, and they'll tell you that every tooth has a different relationship to different parts of the body. Right? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, you should Google this. So every tooth is kind of like, like um, have you seen reflexology? Or, you know, where they look at the hands and the feet and they say, well, that part, the hand, you know, this thumb is related to this. And... The teeth are the same thing. So there are some dentists that feel the same way. So now listen to this. Well above our science and art of removing nerve insult through spinal adjustment, we have the philosophical principles that promote health, life, and happiness, a philosophy that leads us to a life without fear. I'll read that again. Above our science and art of removing nerve system insult through spinal adjustment, we have a philosophical principles that promote health, life, and happiness, a philosophy that leads us to a life without fear, right? So what does that mean? You're never afraid ever? No, of course not. Like that's ridiculous. Fear is part of life, right? You've heard me talk about the polyvagal theory if you're listening to any of my chirocast stuff, right? Fears, we're always looking at, at our world in, is it safe? Is it not very safe? Is it dangerous? Right? That's constant. Every day, every second. Right now, you guys are sitting in a room you know, discussing that in your own brains. Right, You're having that. This is a background conversation. Your you know, basal ganglia and amygdala and thalamus are kind of like looking around saying, is this safe? Is this safe? Always you know, checking that out. That's just how it works. Right? But what we're talking about, life without fear, doesn't mean to never have fear again. What it means is when you, when you have this science, art, and philosophy, and you have studied those things and you feel strong in those things now you have what dr sid used to call congruence which is a super important word congruence right like congruence means do you walk your talk right do you say what you're going to say and do what you're going to do right so um if if you watch me adjust my patients i talk to them the same way i talk to you if you watch me you know, t teaching classes at life, right? <clears throat> you know, I don't, this is not different. There's no, I don't have a facade for you guys and a facade for the Life University and a facade for ICPA and a facade for my patients, right? This is one thing and that's called congruence. It's called authority, right? And when Dr. Sid used to say, speaking with authority, when you speak with authority, then he used to, one of my favorite sayings is, he, you used to create fields that are white with harvest. 
fields that are white with harvest. So when you speak with authority, what that means is that you've done your planting, right? And you've done the weeding and you've done the watering and you've done the fertilizing, you've done everything. And now you're letting innate grow in that body or grow in that field or grow whatever. You're letting it, it's a natural process. So success is a natural process as long as you follow natural law. Right? So all of you should be as successful as you want to be. And God bless you. God bless you. You're welcome. Uh, nothing is going to stop you from being successful except for who? You. Right? So don't believe the naysayers. Don't believe the people who say you can't, it can't be done because I'm telling you it can be done. You know, it can be done. I, I, I implore you to believe in yourselves and yeah, I know you got big amounts of debt. I get it. And there's so many other distractions now in the internet and all this, so much stuff happening. It's a very different world uh, that you guys are in than when I you know, graduated in the 80s. But I believe in you guys, right? I believe in, if you're sitting in this room, you guys have the capability way past some other people because you guys are probably have more of the science, art, and philosophy than a lot of your brothers and sisters do, right? So I believe in that. Um, do, any other questions? 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 Cool. Yes. Uh huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, if you want to work with the special needs population, then you need to take extra time to train with that. So uh, my favorite um, person that I've dealt with is, um, I'll just show it to you right here. Uh, you all should get this book here by Dr. Robert Melillo, Disconnected Kids. Right? He's a chiropractor, functional neurologist. He's kind of my mentor in the functional neurology world. Um, and uh, this book is written for parents, but you'll get the gist by reading this book and then just get more involved in his organization and stuff. He has a, a 10 module series on uh, um, child neurodevelopmental disorders, which uh, I've partaken in. So um, I think this is super important you know, stuff to, to, to kind of look at um, and to be involved with because uh, just like pediatric chiropractic is its own little animal, I think special needs is a Again, its own little animal, um, you know, too. So I think that's, that's super important. Um, so, so definitely get involved uh, with that kind of stuff. ICPA, my class, uh, I teach a lot about this. So I'm coming to St. Louis either end of this year or early next year. So come to my class if you want to learn more about how to take care of special needs kids because that's my big, you know, my big focus also. Um, what I want to end with is um, how I kind of got started in this teaching thing is back in 1997, I wrote this book. Uh, it's called The Adjustment, and it's actually a novel. You can get it on Kindle um, and Amazon and stuff. And what happened was that I, I had so fallen in love with the philosophy that this book kind of flowed out of me, right? And the reason I'm showing this to you is because anything is possible. You know, they told me I can't write a book, but I did. You know, and I've written several more. They told me it's not possible to have a pediatric practice, but I did it. They told me... You can't, I, I was practicing in New Jersey for 12 years and I left New Jersey to come down to Atlanta to start my own practice from scratch again 
and teach it life. And they say, you shouldn't do that. That's crazy. If you have a practice, you stay there. But I did it anyway, right? So what I'm telling you guys as my final statement is that like, if you believe in yourself and you have enough authority and confidence in the chiropractic, you know, science, art, and philosophy, then you can do it, right? But now, now is the training ground. Now at Logan, don't wait. Don't say when I graduate, that's when I'm really going to get going. Too late, <laughs> right? Train now. However many trimesters you have left, train now so by the time you graduate, you are a gold medalist. Um, any other questions? Or are we done? One more. Yeah. So um, nutrition is absolutely critical in my practice. When I talk to patients, um, I don't talk about science, art, and philosophy. I talk about chiropractic, uh, neurological exercises, and nutrition. So they all go hand in hand. And and very briefly. Um, the reason they go hand, or the way they go hand in hand is I work on the spine. I make the nerve system and the, the spine and the nerve system balanced, right? That's the whole point of a chiropractic adjustment is balance the spine and nerve system, number one. Number two is what are you going to do at home in between adjustments to keep that balance going? That's the exercises, the neurological exercises. Um, so uh, primitive reflexes and eye exercises and stuff like that that we go over in my ICPA class and you get in Melillo's book and stuff like this. Um, and then number three is nutrition. If you're not feeding that body good, then the body isn't building strong, right? So you've got to take care of all three aspects to really have the greatest results. So, uh, you know, where I, where for you guys, it's science, art, philosophy for a patient that's chiropractic exercises and nutrition. Got it? Cool. Well, thank you so much, guys. This was really another great, uh, you know, breakout session with you. I really appreciate the Logan crew. You guys are going to rock it. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this webinar with Logan University. It's been brought to you by my three sponsors, Cairo Wright, Now You Know, and Preferred Chiropractic Doctor, or PCD. Those three organizations have been pivotal in my success in practice. Uh, the 30 years that I've had, I've been with uh, Now You Know, almost all of them, and with a PCD, Preferred Chiropractic Doctor, Cairo Wright, for the last bunch of years, uh, and they have been nothing but awesome and have really been game changers uh, for me. So I just wanted to mention that to you guys to please support them if you can. You have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.